You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I'm really tired of having this conversation or even having to, to break this sort of news. But welcome into Crunch Time, Matt Miguez. Coming to you live from St. Martinville Senior High School as tonight is senior night for the Southside Sharks that will take on the Broncos of Sam Houston. Kickoff in that game is at 7. Louisiana Orthopedic Specialist pregame report is at 645 on Mustang 1071. Back in the master control suite at Delta Media is my main man, James Mesh. James, what's going on, buddy? How are you? What's up, Matt? I'm angry. You upsetty spaghetti? I I am upsetty spaghetti. Um, So we're going to do today's show kind of a a good, a bad, and an ugly kind of of scenario. We're going to start with the good, and that is that the Houston Astros stepped up when they needed to the most. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Brett Chanty will help us do that at 5.30 as well. We're going to talk about the bad, which I don't know that I can pinpoint anything that's been bad, but I mean, we'll, we'll make something up as we go along. And then we're going to get to the ugly. Actually, scratch that. We're going to get to the ugly first because I'm angry and I need to get it out of the way. Uh, 337-706-0111 if you want to get in on the game hotline. And as a reminder, here in Acadiana, you can hit us up on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. So, James, the ugly is the latest report out of the New Orleans Saints camp about an hour ago. Uh, it has been announced that Michael Thomas will be put on IR and he needs toe surgery will likely miss the rest of the season. At least he's not getting it right before training camp. And that's fair. That was his fault. I'll admit that. That was his fault. This, however, I don't feel is his fault. This, I feel, is a total mismanagement by the coaching staff, the front office, and the medical team. Very similar to the Delvin Bro scenario if you remember that a couple years ago. Please, please tell me, and I'm not a medical professional, I've never claimed to be one, anything like that. However, it doesn't take a genius. Please explain to me the difference between turf toe and a dislocated toe. How? How do you confuse them? The bone was literally dislocated. It's in the wrong spot. And then, here, here's the bigger problem that I have. Because you mismanaged it, and because you didn't pick up on the fact that his bone was literally in the incorrect spot, and it was turf toe, you know, turf toe is an injury where you know guys miss a couple of weeks, and you know they might practice once a week just to try to fight their way back into it. Blah blah blah, whatever. Well, Mike has tried everything he possibly could 
to come back as quickly as possible and in the process probably made that injury worse. I'll I looked it up. It says turf toe is a painful injury that has similar symptoms to a dislocation. Oh, so <sighs> x-rays, MRIs, like you have that technology. I, I will never believe that you just didn't know. Again, very similar to the Delvin bro situation a couple years ago. And what happened to him? He's now retired. Now look, again, going back to Mike's scenario, um, it's a very unfortunate break. Mike hasn't been able to catch a break the last couple of years, because if you if you look at the timeline, let's uh, let, let's let's pull this up. 2019, Michael Thomas signs a five-year, ninety-six point two five million dollar contract. Also in 2019. He breaks the NFL record with 149 receptions and an NFL-high 1,725 yards. In 2020, he misses the last nine games of the season with a season-ending ankle injury. In 2021, like we just talked about, he had ankle surgery too late and missed the entire season. Comes back this year, has a solid start to the year, has a couple hundred yards, a couple touchdowns. You know, we're thinking, oh man, you know, Mike might be back. Now he's going to miss a total of 14 games with a toe injury. It's interesting because I saw, I don't know if you pay attention to part of my take from Barstool. Mm -hmm. They posted a graphic. Uh, Mike Thomas misses 14 games with a toe while Brian Robinson only misses four after being Correct. shot. Correct. And, you know, now people are, are bringing up the conversation, oh, well, should we trade Mike? You, you can't. You can't. What are you going to get for him? Even when he's healthy, what are you going to get for him? Less money to spend on a free he, he's, agent? He's, he, he's a guy that's got a lengthy in, injury history and hasn't. he's played, what, three games in the last two and a half years? I mean, you're going to have to pay somebody to take him. Even if you wanted to, you're not getting rid of Mike. There's no way. He's only got two years left on his deal. He's played three games in the last two and a half years. And there, there's no shot. His, his value has depleted exponentially over the last 12 to 18 months. Exponentially. And, and again, I, I'm going to say it again, and James, I want to get your take on this. Who do you put the blame on? I I mean, I put the blame on the medical staff. Because, like, if you diagnose it as a turf toe, but then it comes out as a dislocation, and you're giving out information to the public and to the fan base and to the NFL saying, hey, well, I mean, it's, a, it's just a turf toe when we know that turf toe injuries are a couple weeks, maybe at at the most three, usually. But the fact that it's been week after week after week, and we're hearing that he he's practicing. He's missed five games now. Yeah, like that. It's been this extended, and now you're doing another diagnosis, and you're like, oh, actually, it's it's actually a lot worse than we anticipated. He's actually gonna likely be out for the rest of the year. I mean, 
I get it. People make mistakes. We're, we're dealing with humans here, but... I mean, that's absolutely frustrating. After what... What's happened last year and, it, and previously with, with this whole situation about his ankle. And now you've got a whole other situation with a lower body and a toe. And I know that this is a completely different body part. And Mike is playing a completely different position. But... I mean, to me, it. you say that you have done absolutely everything that you can, but do you remember what Ronnie Lott did? Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on the toe and how much it would affect maybe your balance or how you would be able to run routes, to me, depending on what it was, I, I know that that's a big commitment and you would lose that part of your body for the rest of your life, but to me... How bad do you really want to go out there? That's the question. No, oh, it's not worth amputating your toe over. That's that's what I'm saying. But it also depends if it's the little if it's the pinky toe at the end. But it, it's a it's a second toe. So yeah, but I, I didn't know what toe was. Yeah, it, it's a second toe. If it was the big toe, I would say well no. But to me, if it if it's the if it's the second toe. I don't know. I feel like that was on the table. Like I said, I'm not saying he absolutely needed to do that, but I, f I feel like that that's an option that was on the table. Uh, again, though, you know, you talked about turf toe and a dislocated toe, and maybe they do have similar, you know, symptoms and whatnot, and that's fine. But with the technology that we have today and the technology that the NFL has access to, MRIs, x-rays, whatever. How did you not tell the difference? Again, not a medical professional, so I don't truly know the whole scenario that goes into this, but, you know, on the surface, it just feels like, you know, you do an MRI or, you know, whatever it may be, you'd be able to catch that. So the fact that they didn't is very concerning. And James, you said that you place the blame on the medical staff. So do I. But here's the problem. Four years ago, when you went through the same or somewhat similar situation with Delvin Bro, Sean Payton got so angry, he fired the entire medical staff. You doing that again? You going to hire a whole other medical staff again four years later? You may have to. The fact that this has gone on multiple times in this organization is infuriating. It's infuriating. Because now you have who three years ago was your most prized possession not named Drew Brees. And, I mean, he can't do anything for you. It's absolutely, it's absolutely ridiculous. So poll question of the day is relating to the Michael Thomas injury news. With Michael Thomas now out for the year, how confident are you that the Saints can still turn it around? The Saints don't need him. Maybe we'll have to wait and see, or he will be missed. So far, if we look at the results... 20% say he will be missed, and then there's a 40% tie between don't need him and we'll have to see.
James, what do you think? I think at this point, you've kind of, you've played five games now without him. You're starting to kind of get it together. I think if you can get Jarvis Landry back, that would help be another piece instead of you just having to throw out Kevin White out there as often. Well. So I think that would definitely help. And now that you know he won't be back, it's, it's the same situation with Zion last year where it's like, okay, now that you finally put it to rest that he is not coming back, which now that I think about it, this could be a similar situation. Or maybe it's you finally are, you finally get to it in 2023 where you aren't as worried about it and like his commitment maybe or anything like that and, and all the injuries. Like I don't, I don't know how you feel about that, but to me I, I'm kind of seeing a little bit of the same situation where you kind of have two, three years of injury history and with Zion and yes he's dealing, still dealing with stuff here and there but it's not something that is going to take him out for the rest of the year like how it did last year with his foot yeah um, you know again I don't I don't know that I question Mike's commitment um, no but I mean, what I'm saying is people were reportedly questioning his commitment and being like yeah he, he his family is convincing him that he doesn't want to be in New Orleans well, talking about Zion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I I could see that. Um, Where it's like we're, I mean, it, it like it was it was everything about Zion and the Pelicans last year. Now this year it's it, it's Mike Thomas and the Saints. So I'm almost yep. wondering, are we just kind of going to go through the same cycle where once we hit 2023, will there be injuries? Yes, but you'll kind of see maybe a little bit more of of Mike. And, and see more consistency and maybe not have to worry about the injuries that are going to take him out I mean, for five to 14 weeks out of the year in a row? I, I hope so. I desperately hope so because I still think that he's got a lot to give to this organization. Uh, but, I mean, he's got to be able to stay healthy. Uh, so that's a, that's a huge part of it. But, again, you know, the, the way that this has all been handled for the second time now is, is just – incredibly infuriating and if you have a thought on it we'd love to hear it 337-706-0111 and i and i completely agree with it like like what we're saying and kind of continuing with it before i went talking about zion but it's kind of the same situation in my eyes where now that you put it to rest that he's not going to come back this season you can focus on solely what you have and not what could potentially come back and you don't have to worry about the ifs, ands, or buts, or what could or what wouldn't happen. Now that it's a non-negotiable that he's not going to play, you can move forward and have a new plan. Nope. No, for for sure, for sure. Uh, With last night's no-hit win, the Houston Astros will look to take control of the World Series when they take on the Philadelphia Phillies in Game 5 tonight. You can listen to every pitch, clutch hit, and thrilling moment of Game 5 on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Astro launch begins at 6.30, and first pitch is set for 7.03, and you can listen to it all live here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And as you know, there's no more, there's no bigger or more animated Astros fan than our guy Kevin Foote. Watch Foot. tune in to the World Series on the game's Facebook and Twitch accounts tonight. Foot will be cheering his Astros on to a victory and will be joined by Blaine Vietar and James Mesh. So once again, tune into the game's Facebook and Twitch accounts tonight while you listen or watch the game 
to watch foot watch the Astros. We'll take a timeout, and when we return, we'll recap that Astros game and talk a little bit about LSU and Alabama before that massive contest this Saturday in Death Valley. You are listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 22 after the hour. The Houston Astros last night down 2-1 to one in the series. Needed every possible bit of good fortune to come their way. And they got it and then some. Christian Javier. How about six innings of no-hit baseball? Only gave up two walks. He struck out nine batters. Uh, the, the Phillies just had no answer for Javier. And then you turned it over to the bullpen, and you thought, well, maybe maybe the Phillies might be able to come alive now that it's not Javier. Nope. Brian Abreu pitched a no-hit inning. Rafael Montero pitched a no-hit inning. And then Ryan Presley came in in the ninth and pitched a no-hit inning for the first ever combined no-hitter in World Series history. It is the second combined no-hitter of the 2022 season for the Houston Astros. And James, what was the common denominator in both of them? It was Christian Javier on the bump. This guy... You know, we, we we talked last we talked yesterday on the show about Javier and, and how how talented he is, and really how undervalued he is from a from a media standpoint. Because and it's, it's not really anyone's fault for that. But you know, you look at the Astros pitching staff, and it's Justin Verlander, and it's Framber Valdez, and it's Lance McCullers Jr. And Luis Garcia, you know, so on and so forth. Luis Garcia, and then there's just Christian Javier quietly taking care of business in the corner. Like to me, like he, and he's he's the third best pitcher. And and to me, yeah. I, I I would yeah. consider him the third best. I don't yeah. know about you. Second, you you'd put him second. So then, yeah. would you have Fromber as third? I'd have Fromber first, and you put JV at third. Correct. Ah, okay. Isn't that isn't that crazy to think? And that and that's from a talent perspective. You know, JV. Because I'm currently looking at I it. Because I I'm currently looking at it right now, like where where they all are and where they've been all season. Because I, I kind of look at it as I mean, to me, JV, he's had the best season. So you would have him currently number one, and then you had Fromber who would be another Cy Young candidate, so you would have him at two, and then having Javier at three, and being a absolutely phenomenal three, and for some teams, he would be absolutely the best number one pitcher on their team. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, he'd be an ace for some people. Um, and, and again, I'm not saying, I don't, I'm not saying that Justin Verlander is, you know, this this bad, you know, third best pitcher. It's just the fact that he's he's 39 years old. Mm-hmm. 
you know, he, he's getting older. You can see that, you know, his his pitches, his velocity at, at times wasn't quite where where it's been throughout his career. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's going to win the Cy Young. He had an incredible season. I'm not, I'm not taking that away from him. But just from a talent standpoint and, you know, at what point everybody's at in their careers, yeah, I mean, I'd put – it's more like a Fromber Valdez is one – and then Javier and Verlander are 2A and 2B. They're, they're kind of like tied for second, basically. Um, so, look, the Astros have a great problem here with, with, with the fact that they've got so much great pitching. And we'll, we'll talk about it more with Brett Chancey a little later on in the show. But, James, looking ahead at it, you know, game five's tonight. Justin Verlander's going to go for the Astros. Game six is Saturday. That's going to be Fromber's ball. Mm-hmm. And then if it gets to a game seven, you go to Javier again. I don't... Ah. See, they're, they're going to run into an issue, though, with that because Javier would only be on three days rest. Uh-huh. You would only be able to pitch him about four innings. I'd pitch... He, here's what I would do. Now... You you would probably be like, well, that's just a stupid idea. But I would say, if you got three days rest with Javier, you do the four innings. Then to me, because at that point, if it's game seven, you, you got to pull out all the stops anyway. So I would say Javier first. Then you would go McCullers and see how far he would go. And it's like if you still need to go get a Hector Neris or go get a Rafael Montero or another pitcher to finish out the last inning or last couple of innings, and that's what you do, in my eyes. Yeah. Bring out bring out a Luis Garcia. I would go I would go the other way around. You would go you would I would start McCullers, see if he could give you three innings. Cause cause a game seven, the, the, the term that people like to use in, in baseball for is you call it a Johnny Holstaff. Okay. Everybody is available. Yeah. Even if even if even if you have twenty pitchers face a batter apiece, everyone's available. JV, get um, out there for for, yeah. for ten pitches. If, if if JV could throw an inning, like you, you do that. Um, you know, Luis Garcia can come in and give you an inning. You do that. You know, just whatever you can do to win the game. Um, so I, you know, I would start McCullers, let him go. You know, as far as he can. If he can give you three innings, great. If he can give you four innings, even better. And then I would turn to Javier right there in the fifth. Let him go till the seventh. And then that's when you go to like a Hector Neris or a Rafael Montero. Or one guy that I haven't seen yet in the World Series, and I'm kind of questioning why, is where the hell has Hunter Brown been? Ooh, you're right. We, we haven't were, seen Hunter we, Brown yet. I haven't heard his name in a while. Um, You know, that that's that's the guy that, that some people have called the, the future Justin Verlander. Why not give him a shot? Yeah, even if, even if it's an inning or a third of an inning, because you're like, okay, um, well, maybe maybe this isn't the move, but still, just to see how the rook would do. Right now, ideally, you wouldn't get to a game seven. Ideally, you would you would win tonight, take it back to Houston with with Fromber on the on the bump on Saturday, and you you would finish the job then in game six. But uh, you know, if if you have to go to a game seven, everybody is is available. Um, so 
that'll be an interesting you know way to look at it. But going back to the game last night, the the five nothing win for the Astros. It was it was one of those games. the The first couple innings was was very defense heavy. Uh, you know, really just a lot of three up, three downs. I thought Aaron Nola pitched very well until the fifth. Um, and you know, in the fifth, he gave up three straight singles to McCormick, Altuve, and Pena to load the bases, and that's when they pulled him. And they went and to a. Uh, they uh, went to Jose Alvarado. Alvarado. Yeah, that's all. Which. <laughs> It, it caught me off guard at first. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Alvarado, which, nice. Which Alvarado is their top reliever. And then first pitch he gets on, he hits he hits uh, Jordan. Yeah, he hits Jordan right in the back. Yeah, he hits him in, he hits him in the lower back. Um, so that walked in a run. And then Bregman comes up, or Altuve. No. No, it would, it would be yeah, Bregman. Yeah, Bregman. Bregman comes up and hits that, hits that beautiful double. Double to the right field corner to score two more. And then Tucker hits the sack fly to center field to score Alvarez. And Bregman smartly moved over to third. And then Guriel came up and popped a single through the through the shortstop's glove to uh, to score Bregman, made it five to nothing. And you know, if you put up five runs when your pitching is pitching the way that they were last night, I mean that's all you needed. Mm-hmm. That's all you needed. Um now, what I'm interested to see tonight is a couple of things, James. Number one, what's Verlander going to be like? Because, you know, you and I both know this. We've played sports before. When you have a bad outing or a bad performance, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to light the world on fire and redeem yourself. Are you going to stink up the joint? Or you're going to be even worse than you were the first time. Yep. I'm interested to see which Verlander comes out tonight. And that's why to me I was saying that's why I've been saying that tonight is a must win as well. Not only I, was Christian's game 4, but I was saying also game 5 tonight because if you if you head to Houston you need to win both of them. To me that's a tall order because you believe in Fromber and getting a win in game 6, but like we've been talking about game 7 it's that's a free for all. Yeah. No, it, it it's true. And you know and you and and the fact that the Phillies, the fact that they had barely just got into the playoffs, the fact that people anticipated them to be a first round exit, and here they are, and they were leading two one in the series. To me, you you have to win this game, go back to Houston up three two, and then finish the job with Fromber. Because if you now, get to a game seven, that's that's where it's scary. I will say this: I do like the way that the Astros match up with Noah Syndergaard. Mm-hmm. I do think that... Which, he was supposed to pitch for game three, but they got, they got postponed, and then we're like, and then they just went yeah, to... Yeah, that gave, that gave Nola that extra day of rest, and they, they ended up going to him. Um, I do like the way the Astros match up against Syndergaard. So, you know, if, if Verlander... And look, I'm not asking Verlander to come out and pitch seven innings. You know that we're we're not at that point in the year. If Verlander can come out and give good five, five good five ones. innings, five good me, ones, give me five innings where you only give up at most one run. I was gonna say one, two at the absolute positive max. The only way that I'm okay with you giving up two is if your offense is producing two. 
Yeah. Like if you're already up. If it's like one of those back and forth, if it's like a three, if you're up like 3 1 and, you know, they, they slap a double or whatever. And they tie to, it. Or like they get a two run homer. Right. And, and, and you, make, you make it. Uh, and then it's you make three, it three, three. two. Or three two three three whatever it is. I mean, keep it a one run game, and I'm okay. If the offense is producing to where it's a one to a two run lead, I'm feeling good. However, that's the that's the only way I'd be okay with Verlander giving up multiple runs if he goes longer than five innings or or five innings at the max. But again, I, I've got to see regular season Verlander tonight. I just have to. We'll take a timeout. Jay Walker joins us next for Cajun's Corner. We're going to talk Cajun's baseball, Cajun's basketball, and they've got a big matchup with Troy at Cajun Field this weekend. You're listening to The Game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Bird, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I've been at the ballpark this afternoon, so life is good. Absolutely. So, speaking of the ballpark... What are your thoughts on the World Series thus far? Um, you know what? You know, you talk all the time in sports about winning and getting momentum. And we're finding out in this World Series that in the game of baseball, that doesn't mean squat. You know, you can, you can go into Philadelphia and give up five bombs and get beat seven to nothing and then pitch a no-hitter the next night. That's what the game of baseball is. So right now, two, two, three games left to go. In your mind, who wins the World Series? Uh, game five is always the pivotal game. I think whoever wins tonight wins it. Um, the the one thing that that Philly really has going for it, they're wearing the baby blue uniforms tonight. They are. That that is that is very true. Let's go to the Cajuns now, Jay. You know, we we talked a little bit, uh, you know, off the air the last couple of days about the. The, the loss over Southern Miss. Now the Cajuns are looking to bounce back at home, honoring the seniors this weekend. But the problem, well, not really a problem, but the, the task at hand is the top team in the Sun Belt West and Troy. Probably the top team in the Sun Belt, period. Um, they're having one heck of a turnaround. You know, they stumbled toward the end of the year last year, wound up finishing five and seven. And if they're able to come to Cajun Field and win, and that's certainly not going to be an easy task for them, but if they do, they're staring 10-2 and two right in the face because they got Arkansas State, Army, and ULM left on the schedule, and I think those are three very winnable games for the Trojans. Looking at the quarterback situation, you know, Ben Woolridge just played the last couple of weeks. Wasn't great against Southern Miss. But you and I talked about it. You know, he hung in there and he made some big plays down the back stretch. Chandler is now fully healthy, but according to Michael Desermo, the goal is for Ben Woldridge to play the whole game against Troy on Saturday. Yeah, you know, he made the comment that, you know, when, when, when they decided to start Chandler, he said that he felt or that he was hoping by the middle of the season somebody would have gone ahead and grabbed the job, and Ben has done that. 
Um, so, you know, he's a, he's a clear number one now. Chandler's number two. And it's interesting to note, you know, Troy's got their own quarterback stuff going on. Yep. You know, Gunnar Watson has been uh, their starting quarterback, but they brought a guy in that uh, was in uh, – he was a starting quarterback for West Virginia, transferred to Western Kentucky and couldn't bring, beat out the Division II transfer. So transferred to Troy. His name is Hagee. And, um, you know, Watson a little bit banged up, and Hagee came in and performed well. And then, uh, you know, so they're, they're going through the same thing that the Cajuns are with their quarterback situation. Yeah, Jared Hagee was a 10,000-yard passer at West Virginia in his time up there in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Jay, you know, looking at the Cajuns, the, the thing that, that stands out to me the most might be the, the lack of consistency with this team. You know, coming down the back stretch, you need two more wins in, in the conference or, or two wins, period, to, to get bowl eligible. How do you find consistency down this backstretch to continually perform well? Well, you know, you quit turning the football over. Um, you know, the, 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 the Cajuns, um, you know, at one time they were like plus 11 in turnover margin. They're, they're like right. plus six now. Uh, they turned it over four times last week. That's the only thing standing between them and a three-game winning streak. Um, so, you know... We talk about consistent, not consistent, whatever. But, you know, I, I, I feel like a broken record. There is no more important statistic in college football than turnover margin. When you're on the plus side of it, chances are you're going to win. When you're on the minus side of it, chances are you're not. And uh, they were on the minus side last week. If, if turnovers are even, there's a good chance the Cajuns win that game, and we're not talking about consistency. But... Um, but they didn't, and we are as a result. Jay Walker joining us here for Cajuns Corner on this Thursday. You know, talking about the game against Troy on Saturday being senior night. You know, not not the final home game of the season, but the last Saturday home game. So that's why they decided to do senior night now. Uh, and then, you know, a short turnaround again coming for this group with the Georgia Southern game being five days later. The major difference between this one and the last one is the fact that you don't have to travel in between. Yeah, and, and I think that's a big deal, to be honest with you. Um, oh, it's huge. The, yeah, so the fact that they, they get to play at home this week, play at home next Thursday, you know, I, I think it's going to give them an advantage course you know georgia southern's got their own stuff going on there uh i think they're having a lot better year than anybody expected them to have kyle van treese has done a great job at quarterback and um you know he'll he'll throw it to the wrong color jersey every once in a while but you know here's a team that for for their entire history lived with the triple option and now they're throwing it 50 times a game go figure yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's, it's still still something weird to get used to watching Georgia Southern throw the ball much. Jay, let's look at the opponent for this weekend in Troy. We talked about him a little bit with their quarterback situation. John Summerall has just been fantastic at the helm of the Trojans this year after spending the last three years at Kentucky. What does Troy do well that could create issues for the Cajuns? Troy's really good defensively. You know, the Southern Miss was good defensively. South Alabama was good defensively. This might be the best defensive team in the league. They're barely uh, allowing 100 yards a game. 
they're actually minus one in turnover margin for the year, but they're winning because they keep you out of the end zone. They're only allowing about 16 points a game. Now, they don't score a lot, okay? They, I mean, they're only averaging about 21 a game, but, uh, but they keep you from scoring. And the reason that they're able to do it, I think, Matt, is because this team is good in all three facets of defense. They're good up front. They're good in the middle, and they're good on the back end. And, uh, you know, Southern Miss, I thought, you know, had some issues on the back end. But this Troy team, doesn't, it doesn't look like they have a lot of weaknesses defensively. And I think that, um, you know, uh, once again, you know, field position and turnover is probably going to decide it. But, uh, but this, is, uh, this is a better team than the Cajuns played last week. I can, I can definitely say that much. Looking at the running back position for Troy, D.K. Billingsley. Jay, is that guy ever going to retire? I mean, or, or graduate? I mean, a 60-year senior. Yeah, Billingsley's one of those guys that was, um, you know, he was a really, really good and then he had a pretty bad injury, and he hasn't really, um, I, I don't think, totally bounced back from it. Um, but, yeah, he's been there a long time now. Vidal actually is the starter. Um but, but Billingsley does lead them in, uh, in rushing. But, look, this is not a team. All right, I, I said I don't think Troy's got a lot, of, um, a lot of weaknesses on defense, but this is a team that doesn't run the football very well. This is a team that is not what I would call explosive offensively. So that's, uh, that's something to keep in mind because I think Troy's going to have a tough time moving the football against the Cajuns and vice versa. You talked about Kimani Vidal. That's another guy that I feel like has been in a Troy uniform for forever now. But going to the defense, uh, you know, we, we you talked about being the best defense in the league, and I don't disagree with you. Uh, one guy that really jumps off the page, and another guy who's been there forever, Carlton Marshall. <laughs> Carlton Marshall is he won't do it this week, okay? But he's only about 25 tackles away from becoming the all-time leading tackler in FBS history. Um, he's a guy that was a walk-on at Troy because he was about five foot nine. He's from Mobile, South Alabama. Didn't even wouldn't even offer him a walk-on spot, but he walked on at Troy and he worked his tail off and he found out that. What is that thing about sometimes it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog, and, and this, this guy's a heck of a dog. Yeah, there's no question about it. And you brought up South Alabama not even giving him a walk-on spot. It's the second time they've made that mistake with a standout Sunbelt player, huh? Uh, yeah, there's, you know, they, we got a cornerback that's returned two punts for touchdowns this year that, uh, that I think is pretty good, yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. All right, Jay, before we run, give me, give me your keys. I know you talked about the turnover margin, and obviously you know, that's going to be one of them. What's your, what's your keys to victory for Saturday? I think the Cajuns have to be able to, to, to find a way to achieve some balance offensively. Uh, you know, Troy's not an easy team to run the football against, but the Cajuns, even without Jax Harrington, the Cajuns have got to find a way to achieve some sort of balance in their offense. Because if you're able to run the football and sustain some drives, you know then you can go ahead and work on time of possession, and it's tough for the other team to score if they don't have the football. So I, I, 
even though Troy's not great offensively, they, they have been you know efficient and they've been good enough to win. But I'd like to see the Cajuns get a little balance between their running game and their passing game this week. Jay Walker joining us each and every Thursday for Cajuns Corner. Jay, appreciate you taking time as always. Next week, we'll have basketball to talk about as well. We'll have basketball to talk about, and it probably won't be on Thursday since we have football. But we'll oh, right. find a way to do it. In the meantime, yeah, we'll... thanks for having me on Go Cajuns. Always, Jay. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajun's Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let's update the poll question of the day. With Michael Thomas now out for the year, how confident can the Saints still turn around? How confident are you that they can still turn around? Right now, 36.8% say yes. The Saints don't need them. Maybe we'll have to see. That's got 47.4%. While nope, he will be missed. Is at 15.8%. A couple of comments. Ton said, this dude stays hurt. I don't know if it falls on him or the medical slash strength and conditioning staff. Either way, it's a damn same since a talented player suffers so much injury. Then again, he got his bag. So, eh. but then also Ralph says, I mean, seriously, he's been gone for over two years. Not blaming him, but the Saints medical staff is garbage. Wish he would have made a play for a wide receiver before the trade deadline. Not expecting much out of Landry this trade or this year either. And then while we're on the topic of the NFL, the ga- the Saints, they play on Monday night, but we do have a game tonight for Thursday. And to start off NFL week off, week nine off, you got to start off right with a no sweat same game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account, you'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same game parlay is the perfect way for you to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. A quick parlay that I made for you is a Damian Pierce anytime touchdown, a Devontae Smith anytime touchdown, but then also taking the Eagles money line. Build your own or choose from one of the popular same game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet on the NFL on Thursday night with a no sweat same game parlay. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account. But if you're already with FanDuel, you're all set. Just see, Just sign in and see what you got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three plus leg, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is not withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Let me bring back our guy, Matt. What's up? I'm going to tell you this. I really wish people would stop, you know, making making comments about the Mike situation like, oh, you know, he, he got paid and now he doesn't give a damn about the team or give a damn about football. I don't that's, think that's the, I don't think that's what Ton was saying, though. No, no, no. I know I'm you're not, saying I'm this. Not in, talking, I know you're not, saying that's in general. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not talking about Ton. I'm, I'm talking about the general conversation among the fan base. That that's not. Yes, the ankle situation last year 
was poorly handled by Mike. I'll say that all day long. It was. This, however, I, I don't believe is Mike's doing. Mike didn't say, oh, let's call it turf toe, and then I'll have surgery halfway through the year to where you still have to pay me. Like, that's not how this worked. Mike was told that it was turf toe, battled like hell to come back, probably hurt it worse in the process, and now he has to have surgery. And when he was rehabbing while it was training camp, he had talked about over and over again once he came back, and he was practicing, he was like, I, I trust DA and I trust the staff right. to get me back. People act like the man magically said, oh, now that I'm a 100 millionaire, I don't want to play football no more. Let me just screw these guys. Like, that's so not how this works. So, I mean, again, was was the ankle situation Mike's fault last year? To, to a degree, yes. I, I, will, I will say that. This is not Mike's fault. So I really wish people would stop making those comments uh, about Mike because I, I just I can't believe that that, that is the the way that this was handled. I just I just don't see it. Uh hour number 1 in the books in hour number 2, we're going to talk some New Orleans Pelicans, we're going to talk LSU Alabama, and we're going to be joined by Brett Chancey of the Locked On Astros podcast to talk game 5 of the World Series tonight. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. More crunch time with Miguez and Mesh after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Matt Miguez coming to you live from St. Martinville High School, where tonight the Southside Sharks will play the same Houston Broncos in week 10 of college, I mean high school football action. James Mesh back in the master control suite. In hour number one, we broke down the Michael Thomas injury news that he will miss the remainder of the 2022 season with that toe that needs surgery. We also talked about the Astros winning game four of the World Series last night and a pivotal game five coming up tonight. We'll talk about it more with Brett Chancey of Locked On Astros here at 530. And then we also talked some Louisiana Rage and Cajuns with our guy, Jay Walker. Here in hour number two, we're going to talk LSU Alabama. We're going to talk about the Pelicans and so much more. If you want to get in on the action on the game hotline, it's 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James, I've got a Pelicans question for you, and it is this. When there is seconds, we'll get to that in just a second. You know, go, I'll, I'll open up the conversation, though. You know, the Pelicans fell to the Lakers in overtime last night, 120 to 117. 
and in overtime, might I add, and all you had to do was guard the three-point line at the end of regulation. That's all you had to do. Let's go to the hotline now. Chris, what's going on? Hey, man, just wanted to talk real quick. Uh, thank you for taking my call, by the way. Uh, yeah. LSU, Alabama, okay? The thing that worries me about Alabama, we know how we we know how hard they are to beat. All right, um, last time we beat them was uh, in 2019 with Joe Burrow, but then the last time at home wasn't it in 2011 when uh, Les Miles was there? Uh, so, 2010, yes. 2010. Okay. So here's but here's the question I have, and I'm sure y'all are gonna get to this. Let's just say that you know we win this LSU. I say we LSU wins this game Saturday night. Um, Jaden Daniels has a game like he did against Ole Miss. Um, do we even start to uh, put this guy? Don't laugh at what I'm saying, but do we even? Does he even get consideration for, for the Heisman Trophy if uh, if he can? I mean, LSU Do we even consider that? That's the question I'm going to ask. But uh, old Tigers, I have a great day. Appreciate the call. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Do I think he enters the conversation? Yes. However, do I think that it might be too little too late? Yeah. Also, yes. Um, I, think, I, I think if he has that type of performance that he's had the last couple of games against Florida and Ole Miss... I think you start to put his name in there, but the fact that you don't get it in until right. week, week nine, nine, right? When it's yeah. a twelve-game season, it's like I think he, I think he enters the conversation, and you know, I'll go back, I'll add this to the conversation as well. You know, I know it's very rare to see guys lock up the Heisman Trophy so early. You know, Joe Burrow did it when he beat Alabama the way that he did. Let me tell you something right now. Tennessee beats Georgia on Saturday, and Hendon Hooker plays, you know. Like he has all season? Like he has all year, right. Hendon Hooker's locking up the Heisman on Saturday. He he would absolutely have to have a catastrophic oh, absolutely. fall in the playoffs for him to lose it if he, if he plays as well as he has all season. Yeah, I mean, down the back stretch after this game with Georgia – Tennessee would have three games left on the schedule, and those three games are Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Wow. Woof. If Tennessee beats Georgia, they're going 12-0. Now, here's, here's the, you know, we love playing hypotheticals and devil's advocate. Now that now that we've started talking college football, we've opened a can, can of worms. So let's just you know do this part of the show now. Shrimp the band aid. Let's say Tennessee loses to Georgia. Okay, it's a, it's a close game, hard fought game. Down maybe Georgia wins by seven points. I was going to well, say a field goal, but even even a field goal. Let's say that. Let's say LSU beats Alabama. Are you going to put three SEC teams in the playoff? Georgia, Tennessee, and then, LSU, and then LSU, and then you got if LSU Ohio runs State. the table, if LSU runs the table the rest of the way, wow, 
So, so let, let's do that. LSU beats Bama, runs the table the rest of the way, finishes 10-2. and two. They go to the SEC championship to play Georgia. Say LSU, uh, again, very similar to the Georgia scenario. They lose by seven. Now, that would be LSU's third loss of the year. At that point, you, you can't be in the playoff. So you, you think a loss in the title game would take them out of the playoff? Yeah. Okay. So then, because it's like you, now you've already given you've already given so much leeway to LSU because you put them in the top twenty-five before they were ready. They get absolutely smacked, and I mean absolutely smacked by Tennessee, and they're like, well, okay, never mind. The AP, the AP poll and the playoff poll are, are are two totally different things, but I I do I do agree with what you're saying. Now let's say this. Say you beat because LSU. If they beat Bama, you mm-hmm. you probably switch. Maybe not switch, but you probably move LSU to the number six spot. And then depending on what happens the rest of the weekend with everybody else and in, in top ten, you probably move Bama down to eight nine. Yeah. So LSU, if they beat Bama, you're now in the driver's seat to. Win the re- if you win the rest of the way to get that four spot because if you you beat Bama you beat Arkansas you beat UAB you beat Texas A and M you finish ten and two that sh- that to me would put you at about number five maybe maybe they give you the benefit of the doubt and put you at number four but then at that point you're fighting for potentially the the SEC championship things things are gonna get so interesting but that but that's the thing is. Tennessee would still need to be undefeated. Georgia would have to be undefeated. And then LSU, they would just need to somehow win it all because you can't have three SEC teams and then have one of them being having three losses on their record. So if LSU if LSU has to win out the rest of the way to be in the playoffs. So let's let's say this. Let's say that. LSU wins out the rest of the way. They win the SEC championship game. Yep. Do you put three teams from the SEC in the playoff then? I think so because uh, unless Tennessee and Georgia have utter collapses, they they I would mean, at, they would both at, have at most one loss. Right, one of them would probably be undefeated. One of them one loss. So at, at that point, I think with the way LSU has played down the stretch, beating Florida, beating Ole Miss, who was ranked number seven at the time, you beat it at the time number six Alabama. Then you win the rest of the way and win the SEC. I, I think at that point, that's enough of a reason to be like, I, I know, I know, they're every, every other conference is going to be upset, but like, man, they have and, one hell of a case. And then you know another thing that we haven't talked about enough in the college football world, James, the fact that Tulane is in conversation to make the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I mean, how crazy is that? They're ranked in the AP poll for the first time in 30 years. They're ranked in the playoff poll for the first time ever. Number, I mean, the, number 19, man. Yeah, the, and then just the fact that, you know, the, the best group of five teams going to the Cotton Bowl this year. So if they can hold on to that title and win the American championship, they're, they're playing in the Cotton Bowl. Tulane, playing in the Cotton Bowl. And you look at the rest of their schedule at Tulsa. On Saturday, you yep. you host UCF, who's ranked 25th right now. 
Correct. You got you host SMU. Correct. And then you finish the season at Cincy. You see that the Cincy game the and Cincy, the UCF game worry me. That's what I'm. That's what I'm for saying. Tulane. Those two games worry me for Tulane. But I think, I think you get past Tulsa SMU no problem. But I, I feel like UCF's going to be a struggle. But I worry about them being able to finish off on a high note and and going to Cincinnati to beat them. That's what worries me is the fact you that you win, have to go there. You win. If you win one of the games out of UCF and Cincinnati, just one of them, you're going to the conference championship game. You just got to win one of them. Because right now they're first be, in the conference. You'd be ten and two. Right. If you if you win right now, they're first in the conference. UCF is um, UCF and Cincinnati are tied for second with Houston. You win either UCF or Cincy. And then the other two against Tulsa and SMU. You finish season ten and two. You're going to the conference championship game. Because at, at worst, you'd be second in the conference. So you know, I, I think that's Tulane's goal right now is is to beat Tulsa, beat SMU, and then take one of the two against either SMU, I mean against UCF or Cincinnati. Speaking of UCF. It was announced yesterday that the Louisiana Raging Cajuns will travel to Orlando to play the Golden Knights in 2027, and they'll get $1.3 million to do it. So a uh, pretty good payday coming up for the Cajuns in about five years. Let's go back to the hotline before we take a timeout. Frank, what's going on? Uh, not a lot. How you are, Bo? Oh, absolutely fantastic, sir. Okay, well, um, the next time you th- say that this is not Michael Thomas's fault, uh, Raise your hand in the room of only you and slap yourself. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, it, it, this is his fault. Okay, one injury starts all others. If you have a sprained ankle and you limp on your right ankle for a period of time in your left leg, you will develop shin splints. It happens in all sports. Okay, he did not take care of the problem. He, he waited, he farted around, and now he's having to deal with this. This is why Sean Payton was so irritated with him for not getting the surgery taken care of. Um, I do blame Michael Thomas for this. Yes, he got paid, but look at the Saints' salary cap situation now. They're paying a player who is no longer playing for them because he's injured. Now, granted, there are other players, so on and so forth. I get it, I got it, I'm good. But, come on, man. The, but you but also top dollar. But but also you signed the contract when Mike was fully healthy. Yeah, but now you're splitting hairs because he would. This is NFL. You get injured, you got to nip that in the bud. You got to get that injury taken care of. Okay, you're getting paid top dollar. You have to be the number one receiver that you claim to be. So then, so then let me let me flip it back on you, Frank. When Michael Thomas hurt his ankle and, you know, waited around for surgery, what did the medical staff tell him? Did they tell no, him that? that it's his ankle. Uh, you don't know well, of your body? It, of course it matters. What you he mean, repre- it, of course it, he, you, he represents, yeah, of course it matters. He yeah, you don't know your he, body? Look, man, something's he, wrong. 
He represents uh, an organization. If the medical staff of said organization didn't recommend surgery, of course you're not going to go get surgery. Well, then why was Sean Payton so irritated that he didn't get it? I'd, I'd like to know. So, uh, I'm look, uh, he, he's a paid man. Uh, I think he put the Saints behind an eight ball, uh, personally, but that's just me. Uh, moving on from that hot topic to LSU, I would love to see him win, but if I'm a betting man, uh, I'm taking the, the points because I think LSU is going to cover. I hope and pray they win. I really do, but, man, you lay in 14 points. I was about to say, everybody, wow. needs, everybody needs to take the points. Bama's not a touchdown favorite. That's I, insane. I would take the points. Yeah, no, um, I, I, I agree with you. They're, they're deep, the LSU's defense is coming alive. Um, they're starting to gel together like I hope they would. They're starting to trust in Kelly. Uh, 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 Jaden uh, is starting to do what he was brought in to do. Um, yep. Butte actually is showing flashes now. Um, I, man, I would I would definitely take the points. Yep, no, no doubt about it, Frank. Appreciate the call, man. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, going back to the mic thing quickly, you know, if he wasn't recommended surgery by the medical team, why would he go get surgery? I mean, you, you trust a, a medical staff for the team that you play for to tell you what the best decision for your career is. Now, granted, could he have, you know, done his due diligence and, and, and sought out his own medical opinion? Sure. But, but at the end of the day, when you're paid by an organization, you trust every working part of that organization. And when that trust fails, that's on the organization, not the player. So to, to say that, that, that Mike put the team behind the eight ball, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I think, I think the team put themselves behind the eight ball because they've done it time and time again throughout their history. Uh, so I, I think that you just add this to the list of the times that the Saints have screwed themselves uh, because this isn't the first time that it's happened. But, you know, I, I digress on, on that hill. Let's go to the hotline. Ron, what's going on? Hey, uh, thanks for taking the call, guys. Uh, First-time caller. Um, just to comment off of the, the, the uh, previous call, I, I, I tend to agree with him 60-40 because uh, we, we tend to, to blame the organization so much so so quick. I mean, look at Anthony Davis. It was the Pelicans medical staff. He goes to L.E. He's hurt all the time. So with that being said, that, that, that's why I'm 60-40 as far as what the previous caller was saying. Um, maybe he took care of his previous injury before. It, um, I don't know if it has an effect on this injury, but um, I just think we're too quick to say as a medical staff, people get hurt in sports, and um, just wanted your opinion on that. No, absolutely. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, you know, and I agree. Sometimes we are too quick to say, you know, it's the organization's fault, it's the medical staff's fault. And, you know, I'll go back to what I said a second ago. Sure, Mike could have taken care of it sooner, going back to the ankle last season. But again, if he wasn't suggested surgery, why would that even be an option in his head? If you can rehab an injury and return to the playing field without surgery, most guys are going to do that. 
Let's go back to the hotline. Banks, what's up? Hey, what's up, my brother? How are you, sir? You know, you know, New Orleans Saints, they need to just get rid of him. Three years in a row. Three years in a row. $21 million he made to play, what, two games this year? Two games. You're paying $63 million. You can use that money to get other players, younger okay, players so me, that want to play. How are you getting so, rid of them? Yeah, where, 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 are you, where are you sending them? Well, you cut him. Cut him after the season. Cut him. So you're gonna then, take that. You're gonna, you're gonna to take up that, all the dead cap. You're gonna take up that thirty million dollar dead cap to where you can't even sign anybody else anyway. Well, I mean, you you gotta do something or try to trade him. Somebody gonna pick, either, get either way. Up. Either way, you're gonna take that dead cap hit and you're gonna eat a bunch of money that you're not gonna be able to get back for the season. Well, I would. I, well, I mean, what what if what if hypothetically he get hurt next year and he set out another year? That's for you paying him this man eight. You paying this man eighty four million dollars to sit down. You got to take a hit somewhere. You have to take a hit somewhere. That's somewhere in the contract that says that. I mean, he's been hurt the last three years. He didn't do nothing for the New Orleans Saints but collect $63 million. Okay, and but. And if he, next year he comes back, all right, if he has surgery, he probably won't be back until probably three or four games into the season. And then just say, hi, protect me, get hurt again. What you do? You, you, eat up the, you keep eating up the money? Okay, but here's the thing. Or if you're if you're another team for organization, well, what are you going to offer for Michael Thomas? Well, you offer some uh, a fourth, fifth round draft pick or something. A fourth or a fourth or fifth for for. Right. I mean, to me, if you're the Saints, well, you just can't make that deal because I mean, that that's that's two late picks for a guy that you're paying this much money for. You're going to hit dead cap anyway. It, it, it's just well, you're I, not going to win a situation a with anything. I would the, take a chance hitting dead cap. Because you're, de- you're dead anyway. <laughs> you're you, dead you, anyway you still got plenty of talent on this roster that you can work with. Eating the dead cap, right, it's do. not going to work. You do. You do. You do. Yeah, but, you, you, but you can't, you can't time, eat up your entire salary pool. Right. You so still got to give yourself so you a chance and have him rehab. They, 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 couldn't have, they couldn't have tried to trade him the last couple of days that they had to trade. You couldn't try to get nothing for him because he's on injury reserve, right? Now, like y'all saying, well, who made the decision for him to have surgery? Himself, the team doctor, or what? If it's him, he's being selfish. I think. A, I think. Right. A, I, initially, it was you. It, it wasn't a necessity, but then after a while, that he comes back because he, he. They said, "Let's do a rehab." He decided, "Well, if it's not a necessity to get the surgery, let's do the rehab." So they do the rehab. He comes back. It's just as bad, if not worse. So then they do the surgery. So that the, right, the, the doctors the, told him at first the surgery wasn't required. You put you put blame on both the team and the player because the player took the risk, but also the team didn't necessarily right. help either. That's the thing. You don't yeah, put but, sole blame on any one person. It was an overall everybody was to blame. That's the thing. So what? what so what you think is best for the New Orleans thing? Keep him on the roster. Deal with it. To me, I mean, you, I would ride it out at this point. You might as well. You're already two. You're already ten toes in. Ten toes down into right. it. Right, 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 right. Well, that's, I just thought I'd just call and, and and talk about it. If it was me, I'd have got rid of him. I'd have took the hit. I appreciate the call, <laughs> because Max. if he come if he come back next year and, and get hurt, well, it's another situation. But thank y'all for accepting my call. Appreciate you, Banks. Yep. Appreciate you. 
you want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda forever, then text Panther to 283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing of Black Panther Wakanda forever at Celebrity Theaters in Broussard next Thursday night. Once again, text Panther to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda forever brought to you by the game Celebrity Theaters and Sherman Insurance. Take a timeout. We'll talk Pelicans next here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back. Crunch time, 527 here on your Thursday afternoon. Started the conversation a little bit ago about the New Orleans Pelicans falling 120 to 117 in overtime last night. James, all they had to do was guard the three-point line. Yeah, that that's all you need to do. I mean, Dyson Daniels, all you need to make was one free throw uh, to pretty much secure the game as well. Yeah. It, it's tough because I, I had the talk with Jordy right before his show earlier today and we were we were talking about it how it's like you, you got to guard the the cross court pass but right and, and I mean he played basketball so I, I would say he would know he, he would naturally know more than me but at the same time I don't think you can necessarily have that be your th- first thought so I don't necessarily blame second year player Trey Murphy for having the hesitation on the switch especially with the- them running a pick play on the right. on the inbound pass cross court, I don't think that that that's your initial reaction because you lose your guy. It's like I need to make the switch, but where's my switch guy? Oh shoot, right. he's going to the corner. And you see, here's the other thing. You know, obviously free throws are the easiest shot in basketball, and you know everybody should make you would at think least 80 percent of them. Um, I don't know that I'm going to blame the rookie though. Uh, obviously, you know. Would it have been nice for him to make one of them to seal the game? Absolutely. But he's a rookie playing in a tough environment, game on the line. Like there, There's a lot of pressure there. Um, obviously, it's frustrating that he didn't make any of them, but I don't know that I'm going to say, oh, that's the reason the Pelicans lost, like like some people are. So I've seen some people on social, oh, well, you know, if Dyson Daniels would have hit the free throw, we'd have won the game. Yeah, well, if C.J. McCollum would have made more than one of his three-pointers, you'd have won the game too. Or, you know, if you didn't turn the ball over 13 times, you know, so on and so forth. But if you would have done this, if you would have done that, I mean. Right. There, there's you, a lot you of can, things you could point to. You can you can point to even, like, one of the first few possessions of the game where it was like, it, it, it came down to it, but the, the reason why you always point at it is because it was a critical time in the game with a couple seconds left. And right. and that's and you dictate that as the loss, but it was like, yes, it's a high intense pressure moment, but there are so many other points in the game where you could have easily changed the outcome if you would have executed yeah. a play a play better, actually yeah, no, made no made question. the basket because there are plenty of shots missed throughout the yeah. game that if you would have made one, and it just very it could very easily have gone the other way, if. If the Lakers would have made one more three or made another layup or another mid-range shot, right? They w- you would have never gone to overtime anyway. Right. Uh, Zion Williamson getting 27 points 
is a good thing. Five rebounds, seven assists as well. And uh, the big news that a lot of people may not have seen yet is that Brandon Ingram will likely return tomorrow against the Warriors from concussion protocol, which is huge for the Pelicans to get him back in this rotation. Uh, no knock to Najee Marshall. I just don't think he's ready to be a starter yet in the, in the NBA. Um, but, you know, four and three to start the season. James, from what you've seen out of this team, have your, have your expectations for them shifted at all yet? Not really. The fact that you're you're four and three on the season now, but to me, this is still a good squad. You you can't blame them. You're going to have tough losses like what you saw last night. You're going to have those throughout the season. You play 82 games. It, it's yeah. bound to happen. It's the same thing with the MLB and their 162. You're going to have bad nights by players and overall bad team performances, and you're just going to have and and sometimes the ball's just going to fall to the other team. Sometimes you're just going to have to eat that. To me, this is still an overall good squad. You've seen a lot of good things. You you still won a game very convincingly last weekend against the Clippers, and that was without Bi. And that's and that's a Clipper squad that's supposed to be really good this year. Yeah, it is. I mean, the Clippers they they've been. I feel like they've been a piece or two away for quite a few years now. Um, healthy Kawhi. A healthy Paul George, you know, maybe, maybe they can get it done. But uh, before we take a timeout, got to tell you about suit up, uh, fashion tuxedos, sportswear, wedding parties, all the way down to dress shoes and dress socks and whatever you need in the menswear category. Suit up has it for you. Southern Marsh, Coastal Cotton, uh, some great brands, great service. They're going to measure you every time you walk in the door and make sure it is a perfect fit. And they have three locations throughout southwest Louisiana to serve you in Lafayette on Ambassador Caffrey, in New Iberia on Admiral Doyle, and now open in Lake Charles next to the Prion Lake Mall. Let's go to Suit Up for all your menswear needs. Again, suits, tuxedos. If you're getting married, if you're going on a job interview, you just need a blazer to wear out on a date night. Whatever you need, Suit Up has it for you. Once again, Lafayette, New Iberia, and Lake Charles. And when you go, tell them that Miguez and Mesh sent you. We'll take a timeout. When we return, Brett Chancy joins us next for a conversation about the Houston Astros right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. It's time to talk all things Houston Astros as they prepare for game five of the World Series. Tonight, we're joined by Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast. Brett, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Man, I'm doing good. You know, I'm feeling really good about the game tonight. Last night's game couldn't have gone more perfect. And I really do like JV tonight. I know a lot of people are down on him, but I do not see him throwing two stinkers in a row right. in the World I, Series. I was about to say, I think he I think he redeems himself tonight. You know, going back to last night, though, it was a big win for the Astros. 
when it couldn't have been more of a must-win scenario. No, exactly, especially after your offense was a complete no-show when you get shut out the first time. They've been shut out all year. They um, they have been inconsistent at the plate here and there with the bat. And last night, it was, you know, I mean, the night before, it was, you know, frustrating. Last night, they get the win. Their bats wake up just for that one inning. But they finally got runs off of the relief pitchers. The Phillies bullpen has done a great job. The Astros did enough last night to get that victory. You know, we talked about the the no-hitter. Start with Christian Javier. He's been a part of two no-hitters for the Astros this season. And, you know, when you look at the Astros' big picture, I mean, you and I, like, we know about Christian Javier, but, like, the national guys, like, Christian Javier might be fourth on the list in the Astros' rotation. Exactly. And Christian Javier could clearly be an ace, I think, in just about any organization. And, you know, with the trek that he's been on and the amount of success he's able to have had this year, um... You know, had he gotten more innings, he could have qualified for this Cy Young race. He 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 should be or should have been in the top five for the Cy Young vote. There should be three Astros on the top five list of the Cy Young this year That's because nuts. our pitching staff has been that good. And he may be our best pitcher right now. Yeah, you know, some somebody asked me, and we had a conversation about it earlier, James and I, you know, where, where does where does Javier rank in the Astros rotation? And I had him at number two behind Framberg. And that's no knock to JV, and I'm not, you know, obviously JV's going to win the Cy Young, and he's had a, a hell of a year, but but let's be real, Justin Verlander's 39 years old. Yeah, there, of, is, in, there is that element of it, and I, I would not have a problem with that either. I mean, going into next season, especially with Lance McCullers' injury issues and his lack of ability to stay healthy in a full season, Framber one, Christian Javier two, and I mean, even if JV comes back, you could still have a five, six, seven, eight-man rotation. I mean, you've got Hunter Brown, you've got Urquidy, you've got Garcia, you got guys that are going to be mainstays here for the next few years. Um, the Astros are going to have a plethora of talent going into next year. But if JV doesn't sign, you still have a legitimate three to four guys that could be aces on any bullpen. I mean, on yeah. any roster. No, no doubt about it. Talking about the offense, you know, it, it's crazy to think that Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena. Well, Jeremy Pena's you know had flashes, but the top of the batting order here lately seems like it hasn't been the bright spot for this team. And last night, you know, they showed up. They showed up in bunches with, with those with that five run inning. Can the offense come around even more tonight in Game Five? Well, you know, I think they'll have to. And JV is JV may give up a couple runs, but the but the Astros offense has to respond. And I would like to see them put up more than five runs. I would like to see them put up seven to nine runs tonight, um, sprinkle those runs throughout the game, one or two in the first three innings, five and six, get a couple more runs, tack on a late inning run, maybe an insurance run. And, you know, you've got David Hensley in at DH tonight in the batting order. He is, he is batting seventh. And Kyle Tucker um, who has been an Aaron Nola killer is in there. Alex Bregman, I think, is marching his way to a to an to a World Series MVP if the Astros can close things out tonight and back in Houston. But Jordan Alvarez 
and Jose Altuve, two of your biggest, brightest stars, have have not contributed as much as they can. Big hits from them tonight would be good. Pena has hit safely in most of his games. Um, but I'm looking for Altuve and Alvarez to have a big game. Um, and then Yuli Gurriel, what, what can you say about this guy? Struggling, everybody was down on him. He's got 43 plate appearances and no strikeouts. So they've done enough. They've done the situational hitting, I think that's what's been a recipe for their success. Yeah, Yuli, Yuli's been fantastic in the postseason. Chatting with Brent Chancey of the Locked On Astros podcast. Talking about the defense, you know, the defense has been solid for the Astros. Pitching's done, done a great job like we talked about a second ago. They have played mostly error-free so far through the postseason. Uh, talk about how that's contributed to, to the success of the Astros. Well, you know, the Astros, I, I believe, coming into spring training, that was that, that has always been one of their strengths. You've got Yuli Gurriel, who's a gold glover. Now you've got the first-ever rookie shortstop gold glover in Jeremy Pena. You've got the first-time gold glover with Kyle Tucker. You've got, I mean, Bregman, who is a gold glove caliber third baseman. Altuve, they've always prided themselves on defense. And from day one in spring training until now, that's always been a focus. And it says a lot about Jeremy Pena for the Astros to move on from a platinum glove winner in Carlos Correa and have Pena replace him and in his rookie year get a gold glove. Their defense, not just their gloves in the infield, but the arms in the outfield have been phenomenal. And I know every once in a while, Jordan kind of gets a short end of the stick. But that guy has an absolute cannon. He's had some key outs in the postseason and in the regular season. From top to bottom, whether it's Martin or Vasquez or anybody in the field, there's very few weak points or low grades on this defensive squad. And that right there is what helps you win championships. Framber Valdez set to start game six Saturday in Houston. Now, you know, one thing that, that I have wondered you know, taking into consideration Verlander's poor performance in Game One of the World Series, you know, and tonight kind of—I don't want to say it's a must-win, but it's a pivotal game, no question in this series. My my question to you, Brett, is: Would you maybe have started Fromber tonight to have a better chance of getting a win? You know, it all depends on how Framber feels, and that may have been a conversation. But I think this is a Dusty Baker-esque move in that traditionally that's, this is who you would have going, especially with the, with the extra day that they had. Um, you know, Justin Verlander goes, and he's your, he's your guy. He's your number one starter. He's your first ballot Hall of Famer. So I just don't ever see Dusty deviating from those old ways that baseball has always been run. I wouldn't be upset if, if Framber went tonight, but that just I, – I never saw that as an option just because we've kind of gotten to know Dusty's character, and that's just who he is. Well, you know, to add on to that, I saw a tweet earlier, and they had asked Dusty Baker about the, the leash that was on Justin Verlander tonight, and Dusty kind of shoved the question off and said, what leash? He's Justin Verlander. Yeah, I, I really think Justin Verlander basically tells Dusty when he wants to come out and then when he wants to stay in. And where a lot of people were getting on to Dusty Baker, which I was probably one of them, um, getting on to him for leaving him in too long, he probably said, I feel fine, I want to go back out there. 
And when you've got as many years as, as he has, then that's what's going to yeah. happen. I think someone like a Javier or a Garcia or even Urquidy or even Framber may have a lot less weight to carry in that conversation. But we've, we've had Clay Hensley on several times. He's now with AT&T Sportsnet. He pitched for the Giants. He, he actually won a World Series with them, Padres and Marlins. And he remembers playing for Dusty, and he said that Dusty is the ultimate player's manager, and he has those guys, and he listens to the veterans, and he respects their voices. So, you know, say this series gets to a game seven. Next in line would be Lance McCullers Jr., who, as we remember in game four, did not, or in game three, did not have a, a great outing. Um, and, you know, game sevens are traditionally the, a, a Johnny Holstaff approach where everybody's available. Do you start McCullers in a potential game seven? You know, McCullers to me comes across as a guy that might be more effective in a relief role. If you go in and start with a Garcia or even Arquiti, because you bring in Arquiti, who's more of a control guy, and then you bring in McCullers, who's, who's more of a spin guy, then that might be the best recipe for Lance McCullers to come in relief. But then again, I, I default back to, not because I'm trying to skirt the question, but what is, what is Dusty willing to do? Is he willing to deviate from his traditional, this is my guy who's starting? Lance, Lance has got to be ready. Lance has got to be feeling good because I'm thinking that that ALDS champagne bottle elbow incident had a greater effect on him than what than what they're telling us. Interesting, interesting. David Hensley, at designated hitter tonight. What are your thoughts on that move? Oh, I absolutely love it. I mean, sorry Mancini, great guy. Sorry Diaz, he was the guy that I picked to get key playoff hits. Hasn't done it. David Hensley in his first at bat, his first game, he got a base knock. This is a kid that needs to be in there. Not only that. He can play wherever you put him. He can play even if he's in DH. you got to make a switch later on. He can be a defensive replacement, too. I love David Hensley in there. I think he comes in and gets at least one or two hits tonight to help contribute to a win. All right, what happens tonight? I think, I think the Astros um, leave, leave, the, leave the bank um, with money in their pocket. And I think the, I think the Phillies are sent wheeling going into game six with the Astros up 3-2. I love that. Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast. Brett, really appreciate you taking the time. Great work with the podcast as always. And uh, we'll talk to you again, my friend. Hey, thank you, sir. Y'all have a good one. And as always, remember we're your team every day. Go Strohs. Brett Chancy of the Locked On Astros podcast. Bikes, Brews, and Omelets 2 returns this weekend. You can enjoy some of the best cycling in South Louisiana and finish the day with food, beers, and live music. Register now at latrail.org for a variety of routes ranging from 10 to 100 miles. Saturday's path explores St. Martin Parish and ends up at Taunt Marie with hot gumbo. Sunday starts and finishes in Abbeville just in time for the giant omelet celebration. Sign up now at latrail.org. We'll take a timeout, update the poll question one final time, and get you on your way to Game 5 of the World Series. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home.
for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 555 here on your Thursday afternoon. Mike, Matt Miguez, James Mesh with Michael Thomas now out for the year. How confident are you that the Saints can still turn it around? So far, 40% of you say that the Saints don't need him. 44% say that we'll have to see. And 17% say that he will be missed. Again, you know, closing thoughts on that. I, I just, obviously both, both sides are to blame. But I just, very suspect about how this has all happened. In, in, in my opinion, James. Yeah, whether they... Whether it was expected or not expected with surgeries and whether they thought they had the diagnosis right or wrong, whether Mike should have done it one way or another, whether it happened, like I had said before, I think everybody is to blame. I don't think there's one single person to put on this situation. At this point, you can only move forward. I don't think that it's time to give up. On Mike Thomas, even though I know a lot of people have been wanting to give up on him for a while. I don't think it's time yet because we still saw in the limited play that we saw from him, you still got a lot of good production out of him. So to me, you you can't move on from him, whether it's financially or just knowing what he can still do on the football field. I, I agree. Thank to thank you to our guest Jay Walker and Brett Chancy. The Astros will be on our airwaves tonight. Astro launch at six thirty. First pitch is at seven oh three. You can catch high school football on Mustang one oh seven one and News Talk ninety eight five FM tonight as well. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe. Be well. Give a hug to your mom and them, and we will talk to you tomorrow on a Friday fun show. Here, same time, same station on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.